It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back. Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, joined as always by my co-host, Jeff Faulkner. Jeff, we're at episode 51, buddy. How you doing? 51 in, man. I'm doing great, dude. I'm, uh, you know, the NFL season is approaching very quickly and uh, training camp's just around the corner. Uh, news is starting to break. It's kind of a slow fantasy news this week, but I, I know things are starting to pick up and I'm excited for the season. Um, you know, as far as my week, we at uh, Little League practice last week and I'm doing coach pitch, man. There's so much pressure on a coach <laughs> pitching to these little kids with all their parents. Like, and every, as every kid gets a hit, you don't want to be the only one that needs to use the T. So I felt so much pressure, and I was able to say I got hit by everybody. So I threw, uh, I guess, a perfect game in coach pitch talk. And uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to continue that the rest of the year. We're looking at a rain delay tomorrow night. So I wanted to ask you, man, I don't know if you played Little League ball, but like I know as a kid there was nothing more devastating than a rain rained out game. Um, fantasy comparison to a rain out, what do you think? The fantasy comparison to a rain out, while coming off of this last season, I'd say the fantasy comparison is a COVID delay, right? When you have uh, you have two or three of your, your guys and it's getting pushed, it's like, what did we have last year? The one game went from Thursday to Sunday to Monday to Wednesday to like the following Thursday, maybe ultimately. <laughs> yeah, and brutal, yep. you're just praying that you're going to have these guys and you're, you know, harassing your league commissioner all week long trying to make alternate plans and what are we going to do if this happens and what if this happens what if this happens um yeah no i did play uh i did play little league for a lot of summers growing up um and it always depended for me how the season was going there were definitely a couple seasons where a team was doing pretty well and uh a rained out game was a bummer and there were a couple seasons where we were not so good and when there was a rain out i was kind of like okay, like, you know, I get to stay home and, uh, you know, maybe play a little Mario or, or Ken Griffey baseball or something and uh, don't have to watch the scoreboard get run up against us. So, yeah, it was hit or miss. But it definitely, uh, you know, as an adult, uh, having played lots of softball and that, uh, it's a bummer when you're all set and you kind of mentally get yourself ready and then all of a sudden the skies break open and you know it's not happening. Yeah. And, uh, man, you said 51 episodes in here, and, uh, you know, last week we took a break from our rankings, but uh, this week we're going to jump back into it with our wide receiver rankings. But before we do that, let's go through the uh, the jersey swap. What do you say? Sounds good. So episode number 51, jersey number 51, which one of these would you rock, buddy? We got some some sweet names as far as baseball goes, but before we get into those, we got, uh, you know, Toronto Maple Leaf, Jake Gardner, uh, another NHL player, Brian Campbell. Dick, Dick Butkiss of the Chicago Bears is one of the classic NFL jerseys uh, with number 51. But the baseball names, Bernie Williams, Trevor Hoffman, Ichiro, and Randy Johnson. Number 51, which one are you going with? Oh, you know what? I think I got to go with uh, Dirty Randy there. I think that's, <laughs> I think, uh, and Ichiro, uh, that'd be pretty sweet for sure. But uh, but the Randy Johnson, you know what? He just, he's like, uh, he's kind of like R.A. Dickey, not in the throwing style, but the way he just keeps grinding it out and grinding it out. And he's just got that, you know, puts his hard hat on and goes to work. Oh, he was the angriest, the big unit. So now you got to choose between Yankees, uh Diamondbacks Expos is where he started, or Seattle's where he you know, kind of made his name. Um, there's a few options to choose from. I think I would go with an Expos Randy Johnson jersey. Yeah, uh, for sure. Punches, so. Anytime you can get that Expos logo out there, uh, you know what? I think it sends good vibes to Major League Baseball to uh, to bring ball back to Montreal. 
Agreed. Oh, well. What about you? Is that what you'd go with, the uh, the Randy Johnson? Yeah, I think so. Randy Johnson, for sure. I, I mean, Trevor Hoffman was a pretty great closer for the Padres. Bernie Williams is one of the, my least favorite players ever. <laughs> um, Ichiro would be a really cool one, but yeah, Randy Johnson, uh, I mean, when I was was my you know my fandom for baseball was the biggest when i was 12 13 14 years old and he was just dominant so uh, that'd be a great choice yeah absolutely um but yeah like you said we're back to uh back to business this week we took a break last week to do our listener mock draft and uh if anybody missed out on that definitely go back and check out our special mega episode that we did for episode 50 we had a bunch of the falcomaniacs uh log in with us and do a mock draft and we broke it all down and had lots of fun But uh, before we get down to things tonight, if you are new to the show, welcome in. And to everybody listening, um, make sure that wherever you're listening, you subscribe and uh, hit that rate, review, and uh, most importantly, talk about the show. Draft season is just around the corner, like you said, Jeff. Uh, Training camps are getting going. News is flying everywhere. And uh, it's, you know, fantasy managers everywhere kind of doing the nail bite. They're getting antsy. They're ready to go. And if you want to be a fantasy champion, you need to put in the work. So we're talking anybody around, your coworkers, your league mates, your friends, your families. Spread the word about the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. We really appreciate the support. And uh, I've been trying to help people out and give them a simple little tip of how they could share the show for us. So this week, you know, the idea that I have is... Go down to your printer and uh, print off some lost kitten flyers. You know, a nice adorable picture, lost kitten, please help, and those little tabs at the bottom. But then on each of the tabs, just write, we found the kitten. So instead, check out the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. You know, nothing crazy. Like maybe if each listener did like 100 flyers, do you think that'd be pretty good? I think we should actually do this for real. And, yeah, it's not too much to ask. I mean, you're down at your printer all the time anyways, I'm sure, and uh, <laughs> putting out flyers. So, yeah, please yeah. do. Just use your regular flyer template that you've got uh, saved. And, you know, those people in your neighborhood, when they see that you found your lost kitten, they're going to be so relieved that maybe they'll check out the podcast. So I like it. Anyways, let's get things started here with the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. All right, so we are back this week with our Fantasy 101 series, um, and this is a pretty big one. We've uh, we've gone through a lot. If you've missed it, go back and uh, check out our previous episodes from the last month or so. Um, so far this offseason, we've covered things like basic fantasy football league formats, uh, some specialty league types that maybe you weren't familiar with, Um, common fantasy draft formats and all the keys to a successful pre-draft prep. So getting yourself ready for the draft. But, you know, we've gone through all that. Now you've got your team picked and oh man, you're feeling so good after your draft. I know I was feeling good after the mock draft last week. That team looked like a winner. And you know what? When you're when you're all said and done, Jeff, when you've picked your team and you've got the best team on paper, like the league might as well just call it a day and give you the trophy right away, right? wrong Eh. no unless you're in a best ball league one of the most important principles of fantasy football is remember you don't win your league at the draft yes it's important to be prepared for the best draft you can have you want to build a strong foundation set your team up for success 
but so much happens over the course of an NFL season. We said it last week. The NFL is like a living, breathing organism. It changes play to play. And if you're not actively evaluating and improving your team week to week, uh, your dream team could really quickly turn into a nightmare all season long. So looking at that principle, there's two ways to improve your roster after the draft. The first is acquiring players off of uh, your league's waiver wire. And the other way is trading to get players from uh, the other teams in your league. So that's what we're looking at this week. Yeah, so well, the first thing we're looking at is uh, like a rolling waiver wire. And this is basically a default setting for many fantasy leagues. Uh, the teams are put into an order of priority after the draft, which it could be random, it could be reverse of the draft order, uh, whatever actually is the, the reason. But the teams are put into an order for priority. And then each week there is a waiver deadline. So uh, all claims for available players must be in by a certain date. And once the deadline passes, the claims are processed in order of priority. If you receive a player you put a claim on, you're moved down to the bottom of the priority list and so on and so forth. Uh, you're able to make claims on multiple players each week, but after your first one is processed, you no longer have the same priority. So the likelihood of getting uh, other players might go down and probably will. Yeah, exactly. And this is, like you said, this is what a lot of leagues use. Um, it becomes more important later on when you've got, you know, the top waiver priority. It makes you more reluctant sometimes to use it because you're kind of waiting for that that you know, key injury or something where you can pick up the backup, but, uh, it's a pretty good system. It kind of keeps things fair. Everybody, you know, you can use it or you can hold on to it. The other, the other main, uh, the other main kind of format we see when we're talking about waiver priority is the, uh, weekly reverse standings. So the basic principle is exactly the same as the rolling waiver priority, except that the priority list resets itself automatically each week. So basically what happens is after all the games have played and the scores have finalized, the team with the worst league record gets the top waiver priority. The team with the second worst record gets the second all the way down until uh, the team with the best league record has the lowest waiver priority. So the idea behind this system is it promotes league parity. It gives the worst teams a chance to improve themselves um, so that they're not the worst team anymore. So an easy way to think of this, if you're kind of confused about what weekly reverse standings is all about, think of it like Mario Kart, okay? When you're in first place, the items you get, you might get it, you know, a green shell, you might get a banana peel or even a, a speed burst mushroom. But when you're in last place, it's Blue Shell City, baby. You're knocking that first place off their high horse. But just as the best Mario Kart drivers hate blue shells with all their soul, many fantasy players dislike uh, the weekly reverse standing system because they feel like it just gives an advantage to other teams for being bad. That's true, and I've heard people from Mario Kart and from this format uh, <laughs> turn into sailor truckers in the blink of an eye because of that blue shell or because of somebody grabbing somebody. You're absolutely right. So, uh, man, Mario Kart can bring the rage. Um, another thing uh, that's really crucial is FAB, so free agent auction budget. Uh, this is very similar to an auction draft where everyone has an opportunity to get any player they want. Essentially, each team begins the season with a budget of imaginary money, usually 100 to $200. Uh, the, waiver wire, the waiver wire works like a silent auction. Uh, up to the waiver deadline, managers bid on the players they want to pick up without knowing what other teams have bid on those players. Uh, so you really need to be careful how much you bid on the auction. You can 
bid on a Cleveland running back and spend 75% of your budget and have him not play at all for you and lose all your money. Um, so you really have to budget yourself throughout the season. I've been there before. Um, <laughs> and yeah, once your budget is gone, it's gone. So you have to make sure you take care of it for throughout the season. Uh, another plus of fab is that you can include it in trades. We've seen this uh, in our league of note, the league of extraordinary gentlemen recently, uh, you know, guys have traded all their fab before a season just for players. So it is another trade chip, which is nice. Um, Sometimes, you know, some people don't like that you can trade it, but it's, you know, everybody's got the same amount of money and some people value it differently. So I I think it's a great option. I don't know how you feel about trading Fabka. Well, I think it's good in the sense that it, it allows you to even up a trade a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you've got it worked out. Like there are leagues where you can only trade player to player and it's really hard to get an even match, right? Especially if you're trying to go one for one. Sometimes in leagues, you can include draft picks, like future draft picks, and that makes it a little easier to get a fair deal on both sides. But, you know, being able to throw in $5 of your of your fab money, um, it just, sometimes it makes your trade partner feel like things are a little more even and it helps you get the job done. That's it. And, you know, we see it on draft day a lot, right? Where we see guys trading fab money for draft picks right then and there so they can get a guy they like. So that's uh, right from the draft. It's uh, it's available. Um, but with these three systems, the free agent auction budget, the weekly reverse standings and the uh, rolling waivers, um, after the they've run the or after the waivers have run their course, all the players become free agents and can be picked up freely. So uh, with no cost of fab or wa- waiver priority. So this is another strategy. Sometimes you don't want to waste that priority and you can still pick up the player you were eyeing up. So uh, um, it's definitely a strategy to monitor that as well. But uh, occasionally there are leagues that choose to run waiver wires twice a week only and uh, you have no free agent period at all. So it's really important to know your league rules before the league starts. Uh, when do waiver runs waiver wires run each week what system do you use when is the season waiver deadline is there a date which no more players can be picked up is there a weekly limit is there a season long limit there's a lot of variations and uh, variables that can affect how you play this but it is a crucial part of uh, fantasy football throughout the season yeah absolutely and it just comes back to one of our commandments right know thy league know what's going on so that you're not you're not caught in trouble um, so with the waiver wire or with free agent players, um, it really depends on your league. It depends on the size of your league, the format of your league, um, how many bench spots you have, how many IR spots you have. All that is going to determine how much talent is actually available, right? If you're in a really deep league with 14 teams and deep benches, there are players getting drafted that no one's really expecting much from. So that means when it comes time to hit the waiver wire, it's the, it's pretty slim pickings. Um, so you might find yourself in a situation where you can't fill those spots on your team through waivers. And instead you've got to go through trades. Now we did cover trading pretty extensively um, in episode 45, when we talked about our 10 champ commandments uh, so again, if you if you missed out on episode 45, please make sure you go back and check out those 10 champ commandments. They're going to take you from your pre-draft all the way to the Fantasy Falcon Championship. But uh, it's we figured it was good to talk about it quickly again tonight. So um, essentially, when you're trading, you want to start off trying to make a deal that makes sense for both teams. You might be doing something that improves your team and your trading partner's team right now, or maybe one team's getting better now and one team is uh, just acquiring assets for next year for the future. But however you approach it, trying to pull one over on somebody or trying to fleece your league mates can only end badly for everyone. 
Um, you know, you're going to get a lot of upset. You're going to get a lot of hurt feelings. You're going to get a lot of people who don't want to trade with you ever again. And, and ultimately it's bad for the league because really what we're all in this for is to have some fun. Um, so when you're deciding, when you're looking at who you could trade with, take a look at your team's needs and then take a look at the teams around the league who can help you out. If you're, if you need, uh, you know, a startable running back or a startable flex player, who's got depth at that position. If you've got too many wide receivers and you're, you're sitting a guy who's worth starting every week, who's short at that position and could use some help there. Um, find a team that's going to work out kind of for both sides. If you receive an offer from somebody, communicate with them. If you don't like it, say so or counter offer if you're kind of interested but not quite sold. If you make an offer to somebody else and they don't like it, yeah, you know, you don't have to just say okay and move on. You can try to work it out, but if it's not going anywhere, just leave things alone, move on. You don't want to harass them. You don't want to send them, you know, 10-page text messages telling them why they're wrong and and uh explaining why it's such a good deal. Uh move along to somebody else and and maybe come back at a later date. But most importantly, Please make sure you know when your league's trade deadline is. Know the date and know the time. Does it end at noon? Does it end at 6 p.m.? Does it end at 2 in the morning? You want to start a little bit early. You don't want to spend the last two hours before the trade deadline trying to make six deals. That's it. I mean, no Eastern Standard Time versus Pacific Standard Time. Like, <laughs> it can all change. Ours is at you know 3 a.m. our local time, right? Because it's midnight Pacific. So we've seen many trades go down to the, the well, last minutes. Yeah, I was going to uh, say there were texts coming in at probably 2.30 a.m. this year. Oh, it was bananas. But trading is like absolutely my favorite part of fantasy football. And you know, going back to the rain delay comment, I think the day after trade deadline day is a very rain delay vibe to it because – you know, you almost run out of things to talk about with your league mates because you've been talking trades so much for the weeks leading up to uh, to the the deadline there. Um, and just a real quick side note: speaking of trades, I, I posted. It's, it's funny because we've been in the the league of extraordinary gentlemen for what fifteen? I think this might be sixteen years now. And I've been there since day one, and I've obviously got some sort of reputation because <laughs> you know I'm in I'm in a kind of a terrible situation with keepers this year, and I'm considering trading Patrick Mahomes. And I posted that on the league chatter, and everybody is like, this smells fishy. I call BS. Like, nobody believed me whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, I am considering trading him. If you are in our league and are interested, just reach out. But uh, it's it's crazy every year and every day, like we keep saying, man, it, it, the trade values change, your, your strategy changes, and uh, trades can make or break a season for you for sure. Absolutely. What do you say we get to the fantasy news, pal? Let's do it. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for Fantasy Football News. So this one isn't like specifically a fantasy player, but it does uh, have some kind of relate to what we're going to talk about later with our wide receiver rankings. So uh, there's a report out of Miami that uh, there's a lot of trade chatter regarding Xavier Howard, the star cornerback for the Miami Dolphins. And uh, this guy is the top five cornerback in the league. And, you know, I just think, you know, we have Diggs raked where he is, but if he doesn't have to face this guy twice a year every season, this only helps uh, guys like Stephon Diggs, even the Waddles and Fullers. Um, you know, if this guy leaves the AFC East and goes to a contender, obviously he improves their defense as well. But I think this is a real boost for guys like Diggs and the other wide receivers in the AFC East if they get to avoid this guy. Um 
free agent news, uh, man. Last week you asked me in the opening kickoff, uh, you said, who do I think would get signed first, Richard Sherman or Todd Gurley? And I said, I'm surprised Sherman doesn't have a job already. I would like to change my answer. Um, I don't know if you probably heard, he got in some trouble this week in Seattle. Mm. He's been charged for burglary, domestic violence, and a DUI. It sounds like it could be a felony. There's, you know, audio of the 911 calls on social media. It's it's a it's a hot mess, and I hope everything is okay with Sherman and everybody involved, but uh, not a good look at all. Yeah, there's some different information coming out today. Um, I think there's a little more to this story that we're going to hear about, but yeah, hopefully things are okay with him. Um, you know, personally and, and, uh, his own well being, And, uh, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but you know, this is a fantasy football show, so we're not going to spend too much time on the, uh, doom and gloom in the NFL, but Frank Clark is a dumb dumb and he's charged with a felony. So he's soon to be a free agent, I'm sure. But, uh, what a waste. Yeah. Um, let's get in some fantasy news, man. Chicago bears. They are <laughs> unlikely to reach a deal with star receiver, Allen Robinson before the franchise tag deadline. So it sounds like he's, He's going to play on the tag this year and could potentially walk next year. Um, you know, it's Foles or it's Fields. We keep hearing that Fields isn't going to get a chance this year. Allen Robinson is a stud talent who, you know, consistently puts up solid numbers with hot garbage playing quarterback. If Fields is a real deal, this guy, you know, could finish as high as top five, in my opinion. But uh, it's just a shame they can't lock him up and he could have that security because he's such a, you know, such a fun guy to watch. And you know, he's been so much through so much in his career already. Yeah, for sure. And there's been a lot of talk, especially with all the wide receivers that were kind of coming to the end of their deals because of the cap situation in the NFL. um, There's a lot of talk about, you know, guys just wanting to take a one year deal or something, um, bet on themselves and their health. And then when the cap keeps going up to seek their bigger deal after that. Well, I mean, if he gets does hit the free agent market next year, he's going to be highly sought after because, like we said, he, he puts up numbers with nobody throwing the ball. So um, it should be interesting. But the other news out of Chicago is Matt Nagy wants to get 20 p- carries per game for uh, running back David Montgomery. Yeah, he does. You know, I kind of joked. Yeah, I know, I, you <laughs> said this to me, and I kind of joked with you. I said, well, of course he does. That's like the key to their success is to be able to do that. But can they do that with Foles and co? So obviously he wants to, but if he, if he does, we saw what Montgomery can do with the, you know, the opportunities last year at the, the end of the season. Do you move him up our rankings at all? If he's getting 20 totes a game? Uh, probably up a little bit. Um, you know, we talked, we talked a lot about him in our wide receiver rankings or our, sorry, our running back rankings. And, uh, I'm already pretty high on him. Um, I'm a, I'm a Montgomery truther. I think that what we saw at the end of the year, sure. It had something to do with the easy schedule, but, uh, he showed, he showed that he could carry the load. I don't think Tariq Cohen's quite ready to step back from his ACL injury into, uh, you know, the full complement of passing work that he had. I don't think Damian Williams is going to be a huge detriment, but uh, don't forget too, it's not just Foles. They got the uh, they got the red rifle back there, uh, oh, yeah. slinging the ball. So right, uh, I yeah, I think oh. the I think the Andy man's going to uh, help him out. <laughs> oh, that's okay. This guy, you know, he's bouncing around. He's easy to forget. He's easy, uh, <laughs> Mister Forgettable. Say- what I want to say about Montgomery, because I feel like you think I'm a Montgomery hater, and I just want to remind you and set the record straight. I, you know, When he was a rookie, I drafted him fourth overall in our league over Josh Jacobs, over all the receivers in that class. I was in love, and he broke my heart. So I do root for him. Uh, I hope the, that he does put it together and become the running back I thought he would be when I drafted him. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not a hater at all. I just uh, I can't love him as much as you do because for many reasons. <laughs> Prove it. I'll trade him right now on the air. Just straight up Monty for Mahomes. 
straight across. Oh, that's interesting. I'll let that uh, marinate with the rest of the episode. <laughs> I'll let you know. Perfect. Uh, so we talk about maybe Montgomery moving up ran- running back rankings, but another guy who I think will be is uh, Damian Harris out of New England. It sounds like he's the surefire number one running back into heading into the season. Um, you know, obviously New England has a history of not being very trustworthy as far as running backs go, but Harris showed flashes last year, and if he does get the opportunity, you know, if Mac Jones is there and kind of opens up the offense, this guy could be a very valuable, uh, you know, late-round flyer, steal kind of running back this year. Yeah, somebody might benefit if he does, but it's not going to be me. No way. You're not, you're no try. Is it just that lack of trust in New England, or you don't like yeah. the Harris himself? Yeah. No, I don't mind Harris, but it's the lack of trust in New England. It's the lack of understanding of how they're going to be rolling. Like, is it going to be Cam all year? Uh, if it is, that takes away a ton of your goal line potential as a running back. Um, you know, they've still got Sony Michelle there. They've still got, I believe, James White there. Burkhead's gone. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just not, uh, it's just one of those team situations where it's, it's too much of a gamble for me. I don't, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I've been burnt by it too many times. So I I try to stay away as well. Um, other running back news. And this one we kind of mentioned earlier in the off season, but it was brought up in once again, he was on uh, the rich Eisen podcast and, uh, New York giants running back Saquon Barkley once again, did not declined to comment when asked about his week one availability, um, you know, we're three weeks away from training camp here. We were worried about him enough that he's kind of where, where he is in our rankings as far as running backs go. But uh, as this approaches, how concerned are we getting? Well, he's got to be smart. Like we said, the, the things that he has going for him are that the injury happened super early in the season. So he had almost the maximum recovery time. Um, and he's young. And, uh, you know, we've seen the elite performance uh, we talked about why we were down on him a little bit uh, coming into 2021, and it's not just injury concern. It's concern about his involvement in the passing game. It's concern about exactly what you're talking about, easing him back into things. Um, so I think, you know, if his health maintains, even if they ease him in over the first few weeks, um, he's going to be, uh, you know, a high-performing uh, running back, but he's not necessarily going to be the the automatic top two or top three player that a lot of people are fixated on um, I think if you're kind of enamored by the rookie season the magic that was the rookie season with almost 100 receptions um, and you know coming in obviously the next year is the the no-brainer number one it's easy to say yeah for sure he's right back there but a lot has changed right a lot has changed on that team uh, you know personnel wise coaching wise system wise so uh, it it's worth watching for sure, but he's got to maintain his health. Uh, he's entering the prime years of his career, and you know he wants to get paid. He wants to be in the league for a little while, so we'll see. Well, it's it's curious to me too because we're not used to hearing this from running backs. You know what I mean? It's usually yeah, I'll be out there. I'm doing everything I can to be there week one for my teammates, and he's playing it smart. And you know, you don't usually hear running backs speak like this. So uh, I think he's going to be all right. And, you know, I can't wait to see him back on the field. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, the uh, game. just before you go on, the game is changing a little bit for running backs because I think they're starting to see, you know, these these huge, huge contracts, especially that quarterbacks are signing with all the guaranteed money. Um, but now we're starting to see wide receivers and, and other position players, even linemen and linebackers, whatever, signing these big guaranteed contracts. And... For a lot of running backs, you know, the window of their career is so short. I know that a couple of years ago there was a big movement to uh, boost up the contract value for rookie running backs because, um, you know, positionally 
uh, they're the ones who get called on more. Like wide receivers, yeah, last year we had a huge boom of rookie wide receivers doing amazing things, but usually it's slower. Uh, linemen usually, unless you're a real standout, it's a little slower. But a lot of times these rookie running backs are getting full workloads right away. They're in the league for four or five years, and then it's all over. Um, and so they're saying we should be able to make more on our rookie deal to to kind of get that equivalent payment. Um, and that was something that Saquon talked about too in that interview is how he's investing a lot of his money into uh, into cryptocurrency, into Bitcoin, um, because he's looking not just to get paid, but to create that generational wealth that other athletes are able to create over their career. Wow, is he smart, man? Like I said, I think he's he's being smart and calculated with his words, and uh, and when the time comes, he's going to perform. So uh, yeah. fingers crossed that it comes to. Uh, you talked about quarterbacks and guaranteed money. That's the kind of the next uh, point here. It's Aaron Rodgers' watch, and uh, I don't know if you saw the the news this week. Uh, Peyton Manning's kind of chiming in now as well, but uh, Aaron Rodgers said something about basically I'm going to take this week and enjoy it, and then I'm going to get back to working out next week. Um, that made me really feel like he's going to come back to Green Bay. I don't know. I totally flipped a switch as soon as I read that quote. And maybe I'm just, you know, it was a gut feeling, but uh, it was really interesting. Like, what are you working out for if you're not going to play in Green Bay? Like, it's not like you can just say, okay, I'm going to, you know, Denver now. I'm going to another team. It's, it's mm. still the team has to move you. So that kind of, you know, I've been pretty convinced he's leaving. And that was the first kind of opening a crack in the uh, door of maybe he's going to stay that uh you know i wasn't considering and even peyton manning is saying you know i don't have a lot of knowledge but i don't think he ends up in denver so we shall see how this plays out but uh, it's only going to heat up as training camp approaches yeah for sure man and i was with you i thought he wasn't coming back i thought it was irreparable but when i heard that and when i heard i think the week before Devonte adams saying you know what when he gets here we're all ready to just forget about all this and just go forward together like it sounds like it sounds like he's going to come back put in his year and and then go somewhere else but really like how much has come from him especially early in all this it was all like hearsay and reports and oh, yada, yeah. yada yada so he's just probably loving all the drama <laughs> and well he's jumping off cliffs with miles teller and in, in hawaii but whatever i mean like i yeah I, I, this is the first time that i've started to swing the other way and we'll see if uh if he is in the green and gold again um other quarterback news that maybe nothing, but it could be something. Tyler Henneke, the quarterback for the Washington football team, who had the, you know the amazing playoff game last year, has outplayed Fitz in minicamp. Um, is this something, or is this just a you know a case where he's more familiar with the system and Riverboat, or and uh, Fitz is learning it? Uh, obviously, Riverboat has hinted that Fitz is the starter, and they brought him in for a reason. But uh, is this something we should be concerned about? Um, I wouldn't really be too concerned. I don't think that they. I don't think that unless. Fitz is really a mess. I don't think that they're going to go away from the idea of starting him. I think they brought him in for a reason. They've got a lot of young talent on that team, and they want the veteran guy. Um, and it's hard to be that when you come in brand new and you're the backup quarterback. So I definitely I definitely uh, kind of project that Fitzpatrick's going to be the starter um, throughout the season. But it's interesting to hear for sure because, uh, you know, he was uh, – Heineke was so electric in the playoff and, uh, and you know, at the end of the game, his teammates were, were kind of all about him, right? Who was it? Yeah, Chase were. Young. Chase, Chase yeah. Young showing the back of his jersey and saying, remember this name and that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But uh, he, was, he was pretty spiffy, but I don't think he's going to out-magic the magic man. I, I agree. All right. Well – 
let's uh let's get to what we're really here to listen about buddy let's get to the falcomaniacs fan zone oh my god oh my god welcome to the falcomaniacs fan zone <laughs> i'm a fan sir i am a fan we're not worthy we're not worthy so thank you to everybody who reached out to us on this week's question. We actually had a ton of response and it was it was quite interesting to uh, see some of the opinions rolling in for sure. Um, a reminder, you can uh, always send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com with your answer. You can reply by vote or by comment on Instagram at falconmaniacs or you can send us a voicemail using the link in the show description. So uh, last week, we asked a question of the of the listeners, the Falcomaniacs, that was a little personal, and we kind of put our feelings on the line. It's these, <laughs> these ones are hard, and they're harder for me, I think, than for you. Uh, so, you know, as I mentioned, if you missed last week's episode, the, the 50th episode special, we did a Falcomaniacs mock draft with some of the listeners. And uh, what we did was we took our two rosters, the rosters that we draft in the mock draft, and we put them out there and we just asked for a simple vote. Which do you like better, Team A or Team B? So uh, in the end, Team A was my team. So my starting roster, I had Brady, Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, Keenan Allen, and Kenny Galladay were my wide receivers, Dallas Goddard at tight end, and Deontay Johnson in the flex with the Dolphins D. And then on my bench, I had uh, David Montgomery, Robbie Anderson, Antonio Brown, and A.J. Green. And Team B was obviously Jeff's team. He had Kyler, Jonathan Taylor, Kareem Hunt at running back, Justin Jefferson, and Calvin Ridley at wide receiver. Woo! Yeah, that's that was basically the, uh, the tide turner. Uh, Gronk, Chase Claypool, and uh, the Steelers D. And then on the bench, Javante Williams, Mike Williams, Elijah Moore, and Jalen Hurts. We had over 100 votes come in. And it was pretty decisive. Uh, Team B took home two-thirds of the vote, 67% of the vote. And uh, it was, yeah, there was a lot of answers that just came in, just said B, B. But it was funny because you'd see a couple that said B and it's not even close, B and it's hands down. And then the next one would say A is a thousand times better, A and it's not even a question. And I was kind of saying to you off the air, we had also some side conversations breaking out in the comment sections um, of some of these questions where I had posted them on Facebook groups and whatnot, um, where people argued over certain players and what to expect from them this year, argued over the idea of Kareem Hunt being an RB2, argued (laughs) over the idea of Tom Brady being a usable uh, fantasy quarterback. Uh, one thing that I took a lot of flack for, I put Deontay Johnson in my flex because you had a wide receiver in your flex and actually a Steelers wide receiver. And uh, my team took a lot of flack for having Montgomery, my fourth round pick on the bench. Uh, nobody thought that made sense. So I guess nobody realized that you can adjust your roster week to week. But uh, anyways, congratulations, buddy. I guess you're the uh, I guess you're the, the mock king. This is... I mean, it's a thing now. Now I'm actually like all, whenever we do mocks, all I'm concerned about is having a better roster than your team. And (laughs) full disclosure, so Kyle and I were talking and he's like, man, TB is crushing it. And I forgot which team was team A and team B. And I, before that even, I should back it up even more. I basically told Kyle I vote for his team. So I liked his squad. 
And then Kyle was basically uh, sent me the update. He's like, man, Team B is crushing it. And I was like, yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I told you I like the team better. <laughs> and you're like, no, you're Team B. Yeah. Man, I was already preparing my arguments, like picking third <laughs> versus picking eighth. And then I'm like, oh, I want it. So, uh, yeah, we have some savvy fans. That's basically what uh, this all comes down to. We have savvy fans, and they know what's up. They know Jonathan Taylor's a stud muffin. And, uh, yeah, those receivers, like you said, Jefferson and Ridley, I think, put me over the top. Yeah, well, and that's it. A lot of it, I think, when you're doing that quick evaluation comes down to the names that get you excited, right? The names that you look and you just see the, they could be the wide receiver one, they could be the running back one. But uh, yeah, thanks to everybody who uh, voted. And, you know, next time, if you're going to say mean things about my team, just keep it to yourself, please. And thank you. But uh, anyway, speaking of who could be the wide receiver one or two or three or four or so on, we've got some business to get to, buddy. We have volume one of our 2021 wide receiver rankings. Out of order. I show you out of order. You don't know what out of order is. Fantasy Falcon Football Player Ranks. All right, so just like we've done uh, in the past with our quarterbacks and running backs, we're looking, actually this week we're looking at the top 20. We're going to do a little bit more for the wide receivers uh, because a lot of leagues uh, might use three wide receivers instead of just two starters. Uh, So we've got our top 20. We did half PPR um, to kind of give a general idea whether you play in a standard or a PPR league. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see where some of these names fell, buddy. Yeah, me too. And like you said, we're doing 20 episodes, or this episode, we'll do another 20 next week. And another reason is just the position is so deep. There's so much talent at wide receiver. And it seems like, you know, we were talking about earlier that running backs come in and make immediate impacts. Now we're seeing that with receivers like Justin Jefferson, you know, back to Odell Beckham and Mike Evans doing it every year. So, I mean, wide receiver is is a loaded position, but it's very top heavy. And uh, there are breakouts who come out, out of nowhere every year. But, uh, yeah, we're going to cover the top 20 today, starting with number one, who is just an absolute spark plug. He's electricity in, you know, human form. Tyreek Hill, the wide receiver for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, The Cheetah. You had him at number two, actually. I have him at number one. The experts have him at number one. Last year, he finished at number two with 87 catches, 1,276 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Uh, Obviously, he's got Patty Mahomes. He's got Kelsey. There's... uh, Watkins isn't there, but um, I, you know we expect another guy to fill that hole in here. In um, uh, the wide receiver, excuse me, uh, Hardman. Hardman, yeah, yeah, uh, or Robinson, and then uh, Ceh is supposed to take a step forward as well. But Tyreek Hill is explosive. He showed that in the regular season against Tampa Bay. He can win you weeks by himself uh, with that you know three touchdown, two hundred and fifty yard quarter. Um, you know that's why he's at the top of our rankings, number one, and I think yeah, he's in line for another monster season. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, um, you know, a similar situation to our running back ranks where you had somebody number one, I had number two and could, I think, honestly, the top, the top three or four wide receivers are all kind of in a tier together here. Um, for Hill, um, you know, we saw last year he he kind of had a bump back up in his targets in 2019. Even though he had an injury shortened season, if you looked at his pace, he was only on pace for 120 targets. Uh, last year he almost had 140 in 15 games and uh, you know what he showed out he showed what he could do and now coming into this year the Chiefs I feel like they've got something to prove coming off of their loss in the Super Bowl they've improved their O-line to give Mahomes more time to find Hill downfield in stride 
And uh, the other thing with him that's that's pretty nice is you kind of can count on him getting, you know, just over 100 rushing yards every year, right? They use him on uh, jet sweeps and whatnot, and he's usually good for 100 or 120 rushing yards and a couple of touchdowns on the ground. So uh, the biggest thing with him, obviously, is is his health and Patrick Mahomes' health. But uh, I think if you go with, with Tyreek as your number one or your number two like me, I don't think you're going to be disappointed at all. All right, our consensus number two, and uh, I'll I'll take personal responsibility. I bumped him up our rankings a little bit because he is my number one wide receiver this year, Stefan Diggs. No diggity. Uh, he was my number one. You had him at number three. Uh, the expert consensus had him at number three, and last year he finished number three. Uh, last year he finished with 127 receptions, 1,535 yards, and eight touchdowns. So the reason why I I bumped Diggs up to the top of the heap last year, coming into the 2020 season, his he was a name that we were told to avoid. If you were reading anything, if you were listening to anything, this was a name you did not want to draft. He was leaving a rock solid offense where he had performed well in Minnesota. He was coming late in the off season to Buffalo. There's no run game. His new quarterback was like a question mark at best. But instead of taking time to adjust, Diggs ended up leading the entire league in targets, in receptions, and in yards. The only thing that held him back from being number one last year was his touchdown numbers. He had eight touchdowns versus 15 uh, from Tyreek Hill and 18 from Devontae Adams. So now... In his career, Diggs has never been a big touchdown getter. He's not going to be a 20-touchdown receiver or maybe even a 15. Like Before last year, his career high was actually 9. But he had 8 touchdowns in 2017 on just 64 receptions. So he had half as many receptions and the same touchdown number. He's never been targeted like this. When he was in Minnesota, he was never fed the ball the way that he was last year. And his touchdown rate last year was disproportionately low. I expect similar usage this year. I expect an improved rapport with uh, Josh Allen, uh, the full offseason together. And, you know, I I expect that his peripheral numbers are going to be pretty similar and that touchdown number might go up a little bit. So that's why I've got him at the top of the heap. No, he's a stud and he's, you know, he separates against anybody and you, know, you can't go wrong with him as well. I mean, the top three, as far as I'm concerned, maybe even four with Hopkins, but uh, uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with any of them. And um, yeah, I mean, eight touchdowns is tough. Josh Allen, well, you know, kind of vultures a lot of himself on the ground, but uh, 127 catches is no joke. That's crazy. So uh, yeah, look for big things out of digs again in Buffalo. Uh, our number three receiver, you know, there's a little uncertainty with his quarterback this year. That's maybe why uh, Kyle has him at number four. I have him at number two. Experts have him at number two. Last year, he was the number one. That's Devontae Adams, Green Bay Packers wide receiver. Last year, he had uh, 115 catches, 1,374 yards, and 18 scores. Um, this guy's a stud talent, no matter what. And it's very similar to Diggs, right? If, if Rogers does leave, you know, people are going to drop him down their board because of the QB uncertainty. But you know, the, the fact is he gets open against anybody and they're going to have to throw it. So I think Adams will still have, you know, a great fantasy year, regardless of who the quarterback is. Um, and that's kind of why I kept him so high, even though my running backs were affected so much by the, the Aaron Rodgers uncertainty. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like he was straight fire last year, man. There's not like I'm I don't have him down my board a little bit because I don't think he's a fantastic player. I think it's just, you know, realistically looking at what's most likely to happen. Is he likely to repeat the 18 touchdowns? No, he's not. He was the biggest benefactor of Aaron Rodgers and MVP display that he put on last season. Um, and I think, you know, again, same, same as Diggs, but the opposite direction. I think that a lot of the numbers are going to look, uh, look similar, but the touchdown numbers I could see going down. We talked about that in the running back department. I've got Aaron Jones up higher because I think that his touchdown numbers are going to go up. Um, so even assuming that Rogers is back in green Bay, I think that the offense is due to slightly regress closer to, uh, the average of what they've been. And, uh, but like we said, no matter what, um, he's in that top tier, he's an unbelievable talent. And, uh, you know, even with somebody else throwing him the ball, he's going to be a good option. Just not the, the super elite that he is with Rogers under center. All right. Our number four wide receiver is Deandre Hopkins. And for me, I don't know about you, Jeff, but for me, these first four, this is the end of the first tier, the super elite tier for me. Uh, I've got Hopkins actually as my number three wide receiver. You've got him at number five. The experts have him at number five. And uh, in 2020, he finished at number six. So looking at his stats from last year, he had 115 targets, 1,407 yards, and six touchdowns. So here's where I'm at with Hopkins. We were stunned, or I guess I shouldn't speak for you, but I was stunned last year when that trade happened. That seemed like, you know, I am 100% opposed to uh, vetoes in leagues for trading, but that seems like the type of trade that if that went down in your fantasy league, that's getting vetoed for sure. Hopkins for David Johnson and, you know, whatever. Um, And it was another case like Diggs. We had no idea what to expect, except at least with Hopkins, we knew that he could be the man uh, not just on his team, but in the league. And it's funny because at the end of the season, some fantasy managers actually felt disappointed by what seemed like an inconsistent first year in the desert for Hopkins. But if you look at his end of season numbers, it should reassure us, I think, for 2021. He finished second in the league in targets. He finished second in receptions and second in yards. So he kind of did the same thing Diggs did, which is ridiculous. They both went to new places didn't have much time to adjust to a new quarterback and a new system and, you know, kind of put up career years. But he was even lower in touchdowns. He only had six touchdowns. Now, part of the problems that he had last year were Kyler Murray struggling with a shoulder injury. Uh, Murray talked about how his throwing was affected for a number of weeks. Um, But now he's got another year experience with his quarterback. His quarterback has another year experience, right? Another young guy like Josh Allen. They've got a full offseason together. Um, And there's the possibility, I know it seems ridiculous to say, but there's the possibility that bringing A.J. Green in, if he's healthy, it offers at least a usable number two, more usable maybe than Christian Kirk and and the variety of other guys have been in the past. Um, we don't know what Larry Fitzgerald's doing yet, but if he's there, it's going to be in kind of a, you know, playing a very small role, I would expect. But if that can take even a little bit of pressure away um, from the type of double and triple coverage we saw in Hopkins, the potential for him to return um, you know, up to the number one or number two spot is easy to see. He can he can put up the same kind of attention focused targets that uh, Diggs did, that Adams did last year, and that six touchdowns can quite easily go up. Yeah, I think so too. It's going to be fun to watch the team in the desert this uh, year because 
you know, like you said, another year together and a year to learn in the off season with the, they didn't have last year. It's, I mean, Hopkins is such a stud, um, you know, any of those top four guys, I think Calvin Ridley is right there with them though, but you said the top tier ends with Hopkins. Uh, I think by the end of this year, we're going to be talking about Calvin Ridley in the same vein. Cause I mean, last year he had 90 catches, 1,374 yards and nine scores. He missed a game. Uh, he was dinged up for a lot of that as well. Um, so, yeah, that's our number five wide receiver, the Falcons, uh, Calvin Ridley. You've got him number five. I have him four. The experts have him four. Last year he finished at four. I just think the volume is going to be there. And uh, this guy, you know, even if they're losing games, even if Matt Ryan's not great, he still finds Ridley and force feeds him. So I'm, I'm expecting a big year with Julio out of the picture. And uh, that Atlanta team is going to be, you know, trailing a lot. So it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a recipe for success for Calvin Ridley owners. Yeah, and really the only reason I, I don't disagree with you on the talent, the only reason um, why I maybe drew the line above his name is uh, just the unknown, right? It's a lot of things we're not quite sure about. There's a new running back, new system, no Julio, um, new secondary weapon and a rookie that we have no idea what to expect out of Kyle Pitts. Um, but the one thing that we can predict is that Calvin Ridley is going to get fed the ball. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him over a hundred receptions if he stays healthy. And, uh, you're absolutely right. He, he could be, uh, you know, the next breakout superstar, the, the casual NFL fans who don't know his name going into 2020, 2021 might know it pretty well by the end of the year. Oh, there's Reed. He drafted first round receiver with Julio Jones on the roster. Remember like everybody was like, you're drafting Ridley with Julio and the team you have and all your other yeah. needs. So they saw something. They know receivers, Roddy White, Julio Jones. So, I mean, this guy's a talent for sure. So yeah, it's, it's, that's it's, what it's I was going to say. For... That's what I was going to say when you said that. It's almost the uh, It was almost just the later progression of the same thing that happened with Julio with Roddy White there, right? They saw, you know, this guy can play a role and be the future. And uh, they were right in that case. And, and it looks like they're right in this case too. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he ends up. All right, at number six, we have, coming into his second year, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I have him as my number six. You've got him number seven. The expert consensus is number seven, and he finished last year as number seven. Now, his year-end stats, pretty darn impressive uh, as a rookie wide receiver. You know, we talked yeah. about we talked about how rookies often have a, a little bit of a difficult time with consistency and, and having that true breakout, but he finished 88 receptions, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns as a rookie. Um, and what makes it even more impressive, man, is he didn't even start the season out as you know, the guy like he had, I think it was week three. He had a big week where he got a lot of targets and he put up a couple scores and, you know, 120 yards, whatever. And then, and then week six or week seven, he had another game like that where, where he was fed the ball. But really, if you look at his games from last year, it wasn't until like week 10 that he started getting just consistent, you know, eight or nine or 10 targets a week. Before that, he had those two big weeks and then he had lots where he got three targets, four targets. It was like they were kind of just feeling him out. And once he started getting, uh, once he started getting like a starter's target share, he was the wide receiver four for the rest of the season. So from weeks 10 to 16, he was the number four wide receiver in fantasy. Um, so I absolutely could see an uptick in targets this year. Uh, he could be up among the league leaders in targets. 
So even if he only matches his 1,400 yards, he could definitely improve in reception number and in touchdown numbers. Um, <clears throat> we talked about his teammate, Adam Thielen, who was kind of disproportionately high in touchdowns. I think he had 14 last year. Um, I could see the the scale kind of tipping the other way. Jefferson scoring a few more long ones and Thielen getting a few less looks down there. Yeah, I could see it too. And you know what else is insane about Justin Jefferson is he was like the fifth receiver drafted last year you know what i mean it's not like he was like some generational surefire like henry ruggs jerry judy cd lamb and jalen rager all got taken right before justin jefferson and he still does this in his rookie year i can't wait to see what he does in his sophomore season so uh what a talent and uh if you are one of the lucky owners of him and after that rookie season i'm sure if you're in a keeper league anyways you're going to be holding on to him for a long time well, man, watching the Vikings draft room when they saw the Eagles pick come in right before them of Jalen Rager, it was like the reaction that you might get at your fantasy draft when, you know, this year when a guy accidentally takes Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers and doesn't realize that they've already retired. Like, the pick came in and they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, we take Jefferson. Dibs, 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 no backsies. Yeah, yep. and that's what he does. So uh, another guy who's going to be, you know, on the top of this leaderboard for a long, long time is uh, one of my favorite receivers in the league, Tennessee Titans receiver, A.J. Brown. Um, early in the offseason, I talked about him having the potential to be the number one receiver uh, overall. Uh, but obviously, news and, and things changed when Julio <laughs> came to town. And it kind of, you know, you know, as a fan of football, I'm really excited to see what happens. But as a fan of fantasy, it kind of was a little disappointing because we didn't get to see this guy's ceiling. I don't think. We'll see how it plays out. But, uh, um, yeah, so you have him at number seven. I had him at number six. The experts have him at number eight. And last year, he finished number 14. We also talked about how he, you know, required knee surgery on both knees in the offseason. He was pretty banged up, still put up 70 yards, 1,075 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Uh, the guy's a freak of nature, and uh, the only thing that kind of limits him is volume due to Derrick Henry. And uh, now with Julio there, we'll see how the targets are shared. But uh, the talent is there, and I, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it at length after the Julio trade, but John U. Smith is gone. Corey Davis is gone. That opens up a lot of uh, those targets that are going to be going Julio's way. Um, having Julio there also takes a lot of defensive pressure away from, uh, you know, not just the not just the front in front of uh, Henry, but also the coverage on Brown. Um, but yeah, it's a tough one to call because, uh, you know, we've seen what he can do over his first couple of seasons. Um, he was dealing with injury. It sounds like he maybe is still dealing with a little bit of the effects. So we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that, um, his recovery. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, even though his ceiling is probably lowered a little bit from early in the off season when you were calling for him to maybe be the number one, um, I think he's no brainer, uh, you know, top 10 for sure. This next guy, uh, I'm pretty sure he's a no-brainer top 10, but uh, he, he scares me a little bit. I'll be honest. I I almost felt, on the one hand, I felt like I was too low on our number eight wide receiver, and on the other hand, I felt like maybe it was a little unreasonable to call him that. But uh, DK Metcalf, like, there's no questioning the talent. There's no questioning the athletic ability um, you know, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's he's got an eye for the ball in good hands, and he's got a good quarterback, he's got a good team, he's got a good offense, he's got all the pluses, but we really saw last year, you know, even though last year he finished as the number five wide receiver, it was like a tale of two seasons, so both of us have him at number eight, the expert consensus actually has him at number six, so last year, um, 
he had 83 receptions for 1,303 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like, fantastic stat line. But we've talked about it already. Down the second half or sec- the last third of the season, like, he was not a reliable piece. And as a whole, the Seahawks passing game was not a, uh, you know, a reliable thing that you wanted to be part of. And that just kind of worries me coming into this year. We've got a new offensive coordinator in Seattle. We've got a new system and we've got, you know, take it for what it is, take it at face value. But we've got Pete Carroll saying that they really want to emphasize running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. They're not, you know, last year it was the opposite. Let Russ cook, let Russ cook. And they did for half a season. And it was the, you know, it's like a flashback to the greatest show on turf. But uh, I don't know, man, it, I don't want to get too down on DK, but uh, it scares me a little bit. And to be honest, if he's sitting there, I'd have to take a real hard look at some of the other names around him this year. I feel the exact same way. It's so funny. We both had him at eight, and, yeah, I felt it's it's too high, too low, low <laughs> right where he should be. I mean, you look at him, he's, you know, picture the shirt off, you're like, this guy's a freak of nature. He should be number one. You know, I watched uh, – there was a replay of the game of the Cardinals versus the uh, Seahawks last year where he chased down oh. uh, Bubba Baker for, you know, 104 yards, and I'm like, this guy is just an absolute beast. But there is – there's something there that just – Turns me off a little bit, and the guys after him, like, you know, we're going to talk about here, Keenan Allen and the Allen Robinsons, I don't know if I would pass on them for Metcalf, even though he is such a, you know, genetic freak. But, uh, yeah, this next guy is is a just a legit talent, and he's been doing it for years and years, and his stat line last year, every time I look at it, just shocks me. So uh, our number nine receiver is Keenan Allen from the uh, Chargers. Uh, you have him at number nine. I have him at number 11. The experts have him at number 10. Uh, he finished number... 11 last year with 100 catches and this blows my mind 992 yards with eight touchdowns i can't believe this guy didn't have over a thousand yards based on some of the stat lines i saw him put up uh if you know i felt like herbert threw to him 20 times a game he caught 18 of them but i guess it was for 56 yards um (laughs) but i can see that continuing you know what i mean i think he's obviously herbert's favorite target in that offense and uh you know you were obviously in love with him he's one of your keepers going into next year he's probably your wr1 right so uh you're very high on him, and I think it's it's with good reason because that offense, I think, can only get better uh, with, a fe- with a healthy Eckler. You know, there are some uncertainties, like you mentioned, with um, Calvin Ridley and new people being in town and calling plays, but um, Justin Herbert's, uh, you know, the real deal, and I think Keenan Allen is going to have another monster season. Even, yeah, for even sure. Even get over 1,000 yards, maybe. <laughs> well, you know what? If you had Herbert in week one instead of Tyrod, he probably could have got eight more yards, I think, but... Uh... Yeah, you know what? It's it's all those things. It's an off season where Herbert knows he's the starter, an off season for them to actually have camp and work together. Um, I think it's going to be a big year, and I think we're going to see. Uh, I think we're going to see some pretty impressive things from that Chargers offense. At number ten, rounding out our top ten is a guy that uh, I know you uh, you're a big believer in, big supporter in. We've talked about him already this episode. Allen Robinson, uh, former Jag, now with the Bears. I've got him at number eleven. Jag, oh, drink up. We oh, almost didn't. That was the first time. <laughs> yeah, we have some thirsty Falcomaniacs. I bet on this episode. Um, I have a number eleven. You've got him at number nine. The expert consensus rank is number eleven, and he finished last year as number ten, right where we've got him. 
pretty impressive numbers. You know, uh, we talked about him as a, a potential riser, somebody going up in fantasy. Uh, 102 receptions last year, 1,250 yards and six touchdowns. So kind of the same as uh, with Diggs and Hopkins. High high target, high reception, high yards, just underperformed in the touchdown. Now for him, that's kind of a symptom, I think, of the offense that he, that he plays with, the opportunities to score a little bit lower. But, uh, you know, this is a guy we talked about with, uh, with varying levels of low-quality quarterback play. Uh, he's been a Pro Bowl receiver. He's been a he's been a uh, very very you know more than adequate fantasy option, um, and he's still got a lot of years left to play. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this year um, if it is Andy Dalton that plays out the whole season the way that you know Matt Nagy he told us there's absolutely positively like he's like the guy in the Wizard of Oz. No way, no how. There's no way that we're gonna see Fields this year. But, uh, you know, if Dalton, you know, I think Andy Dalton's a more than competent quarterback. Um, I think it's fair to say that, or at least competent. Um, and that's a big step up from some of the play that uh, Robinson's been in front of. If, if that goes well, that could be a big year for him. If Fields somehow breaks the naggy curse and gets his uh, shot and he's everything that he, you know, sounds like he could be, um, it might change the mind of Allen Robinson a little bit. And if there's a real connection there, it might change the mind of the Chicago Bears when it comes to uh, making a deal before next year. So uh, I'm excited. This is a big year for him. Um, it's always, what do you, I, I got to ask you, what do you think about this? If there's a guy who, um, it sounds like Robinson is not going to reach a long term deal, like you said in the news. So he's playing to prove it. He's playing maybe for next year's contract what's your stance on that are you a believer in in those guys going into a contract year that are out to prove something does that give them a little bump in your rankings or what well it's it's depends on the guy to be honest with you some guys you know avoid extra contact because they want to make sure they last the season and other guys you know try to fight for the yards because they want to show that they're gamers and it's it's really dependent on the guy um i think yeah alan robinson i believe in and i think he you know, we'll do everything for the right reasons. So, um, obviously, obviously wants that security, but $18 million is, is a nice bet on yourself. And, uh, um, I, yeah, just get Justin Fields on the field. You know what I mean? Let's see, get Allen Robinson, a legit quarterback. Let's see what he can do. It's in his start. name. Yeah, I know. Justin exactly, Fields, right? not Justin Bench. That's it. So yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do with a real quarterback. So to sum it up, but, um, yeah, contract players, running backs, it's tough. I don't know, it's just, it's tough, right, guys? Try harder because sometimes they press and then they make mistakes. So it's it's all an individual for me. Uh, let's jump into our number 11. we got 10 more guys to cover here. This guy, I don't know if you remember. I, I know last year was a write-off with his injuries, but I'm going to give you the stat line from the year before. 149 receptions. <laughs> 1,725 yards and nine touchdowns. Michael oh. Thomas, the forgotten wide receiver, he was the clear number one receiver two years ago with Drew Brees under center. Now he's uh, number 11 on our rankings. You got him number 10. I got him at 12. The experts have him at 9. Last year he finished number 94 with uh, only 40 catches and 438 yards. 
you know, I think the reason we're both kind of not as high on him as the experts even are is because of the uncertainty of quarterback. We don't know if it's Jameis. We don't know if it's Taysom Hill. We don't know what that offense is going to look like without Drew Brees. So uh, there's a little uncertainty there. And the other guys, I, I just trust a little bit more their, their quarterback situation. And uh, yeah, Michael Thomas is, you know, capable of being a league winner if he's the 11th wide receiver taken off the board. Yeah, and you know what? I feel like if it, for me personally, I feel like if it was Jameis and I knew it was Jameis, I would want to bump him up this list. Like this is a guy we're talking about last year was like the number five overall pick, in like period, fifth player off the board, the 105. And now, you know, he's not even a top 10 receiver on our list. I feel like if it was Jameis, I'd want to bump him up the list, but I don't know, maybe ahead of Allen Robinson, but I don't know if I could bump him above Keenan or DK or or any of those guys. <sighs> uh, that's, that's why he's where he is, right? I mean, it's <laughs> just and there's still like it's no clear picture. They just they're they're going to ride this battle, you know, narrative right into training camp. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. At the number twelve spot, we've got uh, another one of my LOEG receivers. I've actually got three guys that we're going to talk about today. Uh, Scary Terry McLaurin. I've got him right there at number twelve. You've actually got him at number ten, uh, so you're a little bit higher than myself and the expert consensus. They've also got him at number twelve. He finished last year as the number nineteen wide receiver. And he's another guy that, uh, just like A.J. Brown, over his first couple of seasons, we've really seen, you know, even on a struggling team, what he can do. Last year, he had 87 catches, uh, 1,118 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, We talked about it. There's a ton of young talent on Washington. They brought in Curtis Samuel as a complimentary piece to take some attention away from McLaurin, uh, give that offense another weapon. Um, and they brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, you know, at times can be irresponsible with the ball, but uh, he's not afraid to make plays downfield. I think he's going to give McLaurin, like we've seen what he can do with the ball in his hands, but I think we're going to see a whole nother um, kind of facet to his game this year because he's got a quarterback who who's really willing, able, and healthy enough uh, to take those shots down the field, which he hasn't really had before. Never. He had Haskins. He had Alex Smith. I mean, Alex Smith was a nice story, but he wasn't stretching the field by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, McLaurin's very similar to Allen Robinson, where he's kind of done it with chumps playing quarterback. So uh, Fitzpatrick is definitely an improvement, and I'm excited for Scary Terry this year. you got uh, a nice one there, in my opinion. I'll trade uh, you for, I'll trade for Mahomes right up, straight up. With uh, who was the other with Monty? Oh, Monty. Ah, uh, maybe. Still, still not yet. Uh, <laughs> it's still marinating. <laughs> um, number thirteen on the list is uh, one of the trio of stud receivers in Tampa Bay, uh, but this guy's my favorite on the on the squad. Chris Godwin. Uh, you've got him at number fourteen. I've got him at right here at number thirteen. The experts have him at number sixteen. Last year he was uh, you know dealt with injuries throughout the season and finished number thirty eight with sixty five catches, eight hundred forty yards, and seven touchdowns. This one really is just a gut feeling for me. I mean, I love Mike Evans, and he's, you know, a 1,000 yards every year of his career. AB's obviously done it for years, but I just love Chris Godwin, and I think it all comes together this year. And I think by the end of the year, he's going to be a higher up on on the list than, he, than we have in preseason. Yeah, like the last year that uh, that Winston was in Tampa Bay, he finished, I believe, as the number two wide receiver right. and, uh, and was kind of – far and away felt like the number one for a long time just putting up these monster weeks 
um, which was surprising, I guess, because for a little while, Mike Evans was really struggling after we had seen such consistency from him in his first few years. Um, and then it kind of turned around. Um, now that was the year that they had, uh, that was the year that they had Fitzpatrick also playing half the time. So it was, you know, both quarterbacks gave the ball away a lot. Both quarterbacks put their team where they were trailing and both quarterbacks threw the ball, uh, pretty, pretty well down the field when they needed to. Um, I think that we saw a big improvement with Godwin once he was healthy and once Tom Brady had settled in. You know, we talked about it a lot during the season last year that uh, Bruce Arians' offense can be tough to uh, tough for first-year quarterbacks um, or their first year in that system. Obviously, Tom Brady's been around for 107 years, so he's not really a first-year quarterback. <laughs> but uh, we saw a real, a real kind of change down the second half of the season and all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, and it's just one of those things where, you know, more familiarity Brady's talked about, he still has things to prove to himself, even if nobody else, um, and Godwin's going to be a big part of that. So yeah, both of us have him as the, uh, the top guy in that trio of receivers. Our next two guys, this is interesting because it's a two pack from the same team and, uh, we're both kind of around the same range, but we've got the order flipped. So our number 14 wide receiver is C.D. Lamb uh, coming into his second year in the Dallas Cowboys. I've actually got him as number 15. You have him as number 14. Uh, the expert consensus rank is number 15, and last year he finished number 16. So a pretty overall a pretty impressive rookie season. 74 catches for 935 yards and five touchdowns. But remember that that was he had his starting quarterback only for a handful of games, and he was those were his first games ever in the NFL. We didn't really see, uh, you know, the the huge potential being totally realized those first few games before Dak got hurt, and after that he had a little bit of Andy Dalton and a little bit of a few guys that I've never heard their names before, and I'm never going to hear them again, so I don't remember, unfortunately. Uh, no disrespect to them. They're in the NFL. Good for them. But, uh, yeah, we're not talking about them on our quarterback ranks. And uh, But CD showed what he could do. He showed, uh, you know, down the field he's a threat. He can get the ball in his hands on a short route and make plays. He is a huge end zone target. He's got all the tools. And I, I don't disagree with the idea that you've got him uh, ranked ahead of our next Dallas Cowboys receiver, uh, but for me, as a second-year guy and um, our number 15 receiver still kind of in his prime and, and also showed up what he can do, um, I'm not sure I see the transition just yet. I think that he's going to play kind of the Calvin Ridley role for his first couple of years in Atlanta, and um, our number 15 player is going to be more the Julio role this That's year. Amari Cooper. Uh, you have at number 13. I have down at 17, actually. Uh, the experts agree with you, Kyle, at number 13. He finished number 15 last year with 92 catches, which is uh, 1,114 yards and five scores. Obviously, the same situation with quarterbacks not being available, but uh, he's got a much better rapport with Dak already, so that uh, is in his favor. But he's dealing with his nagging ankle thing. If if that you know leaks into the season, that's going to open up the door for Lamb. And uh, I just really like the news I'm hearing at a camp where they're moving Lamb all over the place. And uh, you know, Cooper's done. I've had him on my team for the last couple of years. He can turn into Casper the Friendly Ghost pretty quick and and disappear and, and put up a goose egg. So um, maybe that's the reason I have Lamb a little higher. It's just recency bias, but uh, you can't really go wrong with the, the, that offense. And you know, we've talked about the Cowboys quite a bit this off season. Just for Steve. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, at number sixteen, um, you know, I just uh, I just used his name as a as a simile in the last example, but uh, number sixteen is the man himself, Julio Jones, the uh, the new wide receiver one B, whatever you want to call him, of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is easy for us. We both had him at number sixteen. The experts have him a little lower at number eighteen. Um, he finished number 45 last year, I believe, with nine games played. Um, his stat line he finished with was 51 catches, 771 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, I feel like we've talked about this kind of ad nauseum. If you want to hear our real, real, real in-depth thoughts about Julio Jones, um, you can go back to uh, we discussed the trade at length. But uh, kind of long story short, I don't see this as being a big a big downgrade in any way you know he showed early in his career he could handle having another superstar wide receiver with Roddy White he showed in the last few years he could handle having another superstar wide receiver with Calvin Ridley Um, I don't see any kind of drop off going from Matt Ryan to Ryan Tannehill and in fact Tannehill has been one of the better downfield passers over the last couple of years since he took that job over in Tennessee I think that having uh, the dual threat of AJ Brown or yeah A.J. Brown and uh, Julio is going to force defenses to pick one or the other. And that's the only thing that kind of worries me. We saw that a little bit with Seattle where, you know, there's certain games where Tyler Lockett just goes off and there's certain games where DK goes off, but it's rarely at the same time. Um, I think that Julio is going to give you kind of a safe floor because of the possession type receiver he can be um, and he still has the potential for those big blow up games um, so he's for me just kind of just on the outside of that wide receiver one range yeah I think he's gonna score more touchdowns too man Derek Henry threat he's never had that where defenses are put 14 guys in the box and <laughs> so it's gonna be fun to watch that offense as, as much as I don't want to see it is <laughs> you know, not like in Tennessee um, let's get through the last few names here before uh, people f- don't you know stop listening to us. <laughs> we got number seventeen <laughs> here is Mike Evans, uh, number two on the Tampa Bay. We talked about uh, how that passing game is you know obviously very efficient and uh, you know can have two top twenty receivers uh, with ease. The thing with Mike Evans, you know, you have him at number eighteen. I've got him at number fifteen. The experts have him at number fourteen. He finished number nine with seventy catches, a thousand and six yards, and thirteen touchdowns. Um, it's just like it's great what he does, but that's kind of what he does every year. And I just feel like the position is so much deeper now that that you know thousand yards with you know double digit touchdowns just gets moved down the list because so many guys are doing more. So uh, you know you can't really go wrong. He's got a nice base. You know you're going to get a thousand yards. It's almost a guarantee. Well, it has been a guarantee thus far. Um, uh, so yeah, I would expect that to happen again. And I you know thirteen touchdowns is nice. I don't know how many more of these two catch two touchdown games he can put up. Um, but, <laughs> two yard uh, two. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, uh, you know, a thousand yards is almost a lock and he's, he's a talent for sure. So, uh, Mike Evans is, you know, right on that cusp of WR1, WR2. Yep. That's it. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking him. Um, but it's a little bit lower than it's been in the past. And for me, it's, I see 70 receptions again. I see a thousand yards again, no problem. Uh, but that 13 touchdowns, I think just with the talent, you know, you've got Chris Godwin, you've got Antonio Brown, not coming off of his couch after two years of not playing football and joining you halfway through the season uh he's there and he's ready to go you've got a a full a full tight end room with talented guys you've got two quality running backs coming back from last year and you brought in Giovanni Bernard 
Um, I just, that's the number that bothers me, the 13 touchdowns. Mike Evans, you know, we made reference to our fantasy risers and fallers, and uh, Mike Evans was a faller for me. He's a player on a, on a slight down from last year. Um, I could see that falling into the, you know, the seven, eight touchdown, and all of a sudden that's a, that's a pretty different fantasy finish. Um, like I said, there's nothing wrong. He gives you that safe floor. We've seen, what is it, seven straight years of a 1,000 yards or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's not a guy that I'm going to be targeting earlier, and I know that I'm, I'm a fair amount lower than the expert consensus rank, but uh, looking at those names above him, Godwin, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, uh, I, wouldn't be take, I wouldn't be clicking on Mike Evans' name over any of those guys, I don't think. All right, our number 18 wide receiver, um, another player with a safe floor. Uh, we have Robert Woods, Bobby, what do you call him, Bobby Trees. Bobby Trees <laughs> out, in, out in L.A. Uh, I've got him at number 17. You've got him at 19. The expert consensus rank is also number 17. And in 2020, he finished as the number 12 wide receiver. 90 catches for 936 and 6. This is another one of those crystal ball players. We're we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. Um, you know, we've got a uh, hopefully healthy Cooper Cup joining him. We've got a brand new quarterback in in LA with Matt Stafford throwing him the ball. Um, I think that's going to be an improvement overall for the offense. Um, I'm excited to see the connection that Stafford can build up uh, with both Woods and Cup and uh, Deshaun Jackson, I believe, is also there. So, you know, week one, put him in your lineup and then uh, you can drop (laughs) him to waivers. But, uh, yeah, like he's another one of those guys that it's going to be steady. He's going to be heavily targeted. He's probably not going to score more than six or seven touchdowns. He's going to get you close to 1,000 yards and, and close to 100 receptions, I would guess. But uh, you know, doesn't really, doesn't really uh, get my get my needle pointing up. But uh, a guy that he isn't going to hurt you at all. Well, I've, here's what I've liked, what I've heard so far. I've read some reports about him and Stafford are hanging out in the off season and away from the the facility. Their lockers are beside each other. It's almost like you know Cooper Cup and. Goff, that relationship Woods was a little jealous of, and now he's trying to snatch <laughs> Stafford before Cup does. So I like hearing that. And, uh, you know, Woods, like you said, he's a safe player, but uh, he's, a, he's a sweet receiver, great hands, uh, you know, one of the best possession receivers in the league. And if Cam Akers can help open up that offense, he, we could see a bump for Robbie Woods or, or Bobby Trees. Um, <laughs> number 19, uh, DJ Moore, wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. You've got him at number 20. I've got him at eight. Experts have him at 19. He finished number 22 last year uh, with Teddy Bridgewater slinging him the ball. 66 catches, 1,193 yards, and four scores. Obviously, Sam Darnold's there now. I don't really know if that's an improvement yet, to be honest with you. Um, But I love the talent with DJ Moore. I remember listening to some fantasy football podcasts uh, last offseason before the year, and they were talking about in dynasty leagues, DJ Moore is in their you know, in the conversation for one WR one or WR two, as far as redraft, like new bill or new start dynasty leagues, uh, he's young, he's talented, and they just they loved him. So obviously, people believe in him. Uh, he's pretty low on our list right now because we don't know what Sam Darnold is. Uh, and these, you know, these last eight receivers, anyways, it's such a tight cluster, right? They're so close. Like mm-hmm. one touchdown could separate you know move them from up eight spots in our ranking so at the end of the year but uh i love the talent dj Moore. i think uh a healthy cmc will help him help him throughout the season and that offense and uh yeah this is a guy that could move up this board as well 
Yeah, that's it exactly. He's probably the best wide receiver that Darnold will have played with and on the best offense that Darnold will have played on. So we're going to see what he's all about. And uh, like we mentioned, Curtis Samuel's gone. That opens up a lot. Like we had three wide receivers all looking for targets last year. Now he's gone. It's it's Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Um, so yeah, like it could be an exciting year in Carolina for sure. All right, rounding out our top 20, we've got a member of the Golden Black. I love him. I've got him at number 19. Jeff hates him and hates the team. He's no longer a Steelers fan. He's all (laughs) Cowboys all the time. We're talking about my third guy, Deontay Johnson, my third LOEG wide receiver. Um, He's the expert consensus number 22. He finished last year as number 20. And the stat line from last year, you know, pretty good with his quarterback coming back off injury. 88 catches, um, 923 yards, and seven touchdowns. Now, what's not so good is he had 88 receptions, and I think he had 87 drops. So it was a pretty – it's kind of the, <laughs> the wide receiver equivalent of the, uh, the Jameis Winston season. But uh, that's been his focus. That's all we've heard about is no more drops, no more drops. You know, I heard he was in the lab all summer inventing some kind of undetectable stickum uh, replacement. So I'm excited to see what happens. But uh, no, really, um, like he was, uh, he was a big part of the offense, even when he was having his, uh, even when he was having his troubles, his uh, his unpleasantness, we'll call it, with the drops. Um, we still saw that, you know, Ben was giving him looks. He was actually the third most targeted wide receiver in the league last year. He had 144 targets, so only five less than, uh, or no, sorry about that. That's not true. He was a, uh, he was the sixth most targeted. My list didn't quite update in time. Sixth most targeted. Um, he was the only guy, uh, with over 143 targets that was under 100 receptions. So I could see that number going up. Um, I think this offense is going to be rolling. Big Ben came back for a reason. It would have been easy for him to walk away when Pouncey walked away. Um, I was reading a report uh, about how focused he is on his diet. That's Big Ben, his diet and his fitness. He wants to come back faster, um, you know, more versatile and uh, play injury free. And if this offense is going to have success and open things up for their rookie running back, uh, Deontay Johnson is going to be a big part of it. Yeah, I agree. And I read that same report about Big Ben. He's in better shape than Tom Brady, and uh, we shall see. But uh, I love that he's putting the effort in. And you know, when he does, he can he can put up huge numbers. We've seen him do it. So uh, fingers crossed it happens. But uh, yeah, that's our list. Do you want to do a quick recap of the twenty before we jump into the uh, two minute drill? Yeah, absolutely. So, number one, we had Tyreek. Number two, Stefan Diggs. Number three, Devontae Adams. DeAndre Hopkins was number four. Calvin Ridley at five. Justin Jefferson at six. A.J. Brown at seven. D.K. Metcalf at eight. Keenan Allen at nine. Allen Robinson at 10. Michael Thomas at 11. Scary Terry McLaurin at 12. Chris Godwin at 13. CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper at 14, 15. Then we had Julio at 16. Mike Evans at 17. Bobby Trees at 18, DJ Moore 19, and Deontay Johnson at number 20. Absolutely. Next week's going to be insane, man. When we go to 20 to oh. 40, it's going to be it's it's going to be fun. Yeah, we're going to and it's funny because we're going to get to 40 and it's a name that like, oh yeah, I'd draft him for sure. Like if we went to 40 quarterbacks or 40 running backs even, you'd be like, "Ugh, why are we talking about this?" But uh yeah, we're just about out of time. We got to get it down the field one last time. Let's hit the 2-minute drill. It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football 2-Minute Drill. So, 
So, Falcomaniacs, real quick for you. We want you to uh, actually do some thinking this week. There was enough of the quick, you know, I know a lot of people accidentally hit Tim B last week, and I forgive you. It's okay, but uh, there's no copying your neighbor's answer this week. You've got to come up with your own work. You've got to show your work. We want to get those creative juices flowing. So here's the deal. Next week, the Seattle Kraken officially become the 32nd NHL franchise. They've got their expansion draft. We're going to find out who's playing hockey in the rain. And to celebrate this occasion, we have a two-part question for you. If there was a new NHL fra- NFL, sorry, if there was a new NFL franchise, where should it be located? So what city or where, you know, what country even should it be located? And what name would you give the team? So if you were in charge of, you know, anywhere, you could be in Mexico City if you want. It could be over in England. I know that the Jaguars drink up. Nope, I've talked about uh, doing that, doing more games over there. Where would you put the team? What would you call the team? Let's get all your ideas in, Falcomaniacs. And you know what? Once we do, I'm going to I'm gonna do what I usually do with my grade one students' uh, letters to Santa. I'm going to put them all in a big envelope, and I'm going to mail them off to the NFL head office's care of Roger Goodtimes Goodell. I like it. And friends, if you're not already following us on Instagram or Twitter, our handle is at Falconmaniacs, so get it done, please. Uh, we're approaching draft prep season, so if you've got keeper questions, startup questions, league questions, anything, send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. Or as always, you can drop us your thoughts by leaving us a voicemail using the link in our show description. And as always, friends, if you're a regular listener or brand new to the show, if you're enjoying it, please remember to hit that subscribe button, rate and review, and most importantly, share and recommend us to your friends, family, and lead mates, coworkers, everyone you know. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. Hopefully it doesn't rain tomorrow night. And don't forget to set your Falcon lineups. Woo!